Daniel chapter 1. Uh, I'm Gary Johnson. If you don't know me, I'm uh, Jordan's father-in-law. So your pastor's father-in-law. And uh, he's enjoying his sabbatical. He's uh, at a church in Coral Gables today. He's been visiting a lot of different churches, getting some ideas. So hopefully he'll come back and be able to share those ideas uh, with us. All right, Daniel chapter 1. If you didn't know, I'm, I'm retired. I retired about a year ago, and I am enjoying my retirement. I keep telling my wife, I love being retired. You know, I don't. I still do a few things. I've done a wedding, and I've preached a few times. I'm teaching at Wayside, the church we go to, on Wednesday. Uh, the Lord laid on my heart the book of Daniel. So uh, I'll be teaching that next month uh, at Wayside on Wednesday nights, or sometime next month. Uh, but, I, you know, when I retired, I gave away everything. I gave away, I mean, everything. Books, plaques. You know, I had a bunch of plaques on the wall, and I, I took pictures of them. I got them on my phone now. <laughs> but I gave away everything, diplomas, everything. And uh, so when the Lord laid in my heart the book of Daniel, I had to go out and buy some books on Daniel. And then I'm buying I go, I, I used to own this book. I don't you know. So anyway, I'm buying stuff I used to own. Anyway, uh, so the Lord laid on my heart, Daniel, so I'm sharing with you from Daniel chapter 1 today. So uh, if you have your Bibles and you turn with me, Daniel chapter 1, let me read verse 1 and 2, which is not inspirational, but it is informational. Daniel 1, beginning with verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Now, I know you're thinking, what in the world are you going to do with this passage of Scripture? Well, I'm going to give you some history today. You know, I... Yeah, you don't want to tell people you're going to give them a history lesson. You just, you know, just the sound of that puts you to sleep. So I'm going to give you understand how we got the Bible and what's in the Bible. You know, the book of Daniel, for instance, uh, just 12 chapters, not very big, but uh, it's written in Aramaic. Now, to me, that's interesting because all the other Old Testament is written in Hebrew. The New Testament is written in Greek. Why is the book of Daniel, why is it written in Aramaic? Because Daniel is writing to the Babylonians. When you read this passage here that we just read, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, that's the last king of Judah. Because Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. He came and wiped it out. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get you to think, and hopefully at the end of this message, You'll be interested in reading the book on your own. Uh, that's, that's what I'm hoping to do, is that you'll be interested in reading Daniel on your own. We just read a little bit ago about the fiery furnace. There's a lot of good stuff in the book of Daniel. Daniel and the lion's den. The fiery furnace. There's a chapter where there's a hand that comes and writes on the wall. There's a lot of neat stuff in Daniel. But we come back to the beginning of Daniel. How did this begin? How did this happen? You remember back in May, Israel celebrated their 75th one. <laughs> I 
two, okay. In May of this year, Israel became a nation for 75 years. Now, that's amazing when we think of the history of the Old Testament. The Israelites have been around for thousands of years. In fact, when the history of the Old Testament, the history of Israel, his story, God has a story. And so we go back to Abraham and, and the studying of the Israelites, and they were called different things, the Hebrew children, the Israelites, the Jewish people, uh, but they've only been a nation for 75 years. Remember in history, you weren't alive back in uh, World War II, but remember World War II, Hitler tried to wipe out all the Jews. He wanted to kill them all, and he succeeded in killing 6 million Jews. I mean, that's a lot of people. He tried to wipe them off the face of the earth. But at the end of World War II, the League of Nations, the United Nations, they came together and they gave some land to Israel, gave them property that used to be theirs, and they became a country. So what Hitler tried to wipe them out, the end result was God's will gave them their land back. And today there's over 10 million Jewish people living in Israel. Uh, to me, that's amazing. And so we did celebrate 75 years. Samuel, Kings, Chronicles. We read there were three kings that were in Israel. Do you remember that? Who was the first king? Saul. King Saul, then King David, and then King Solomon. They had three kings. So, and they all served 40 years each. So for 120 years, Israel was a united nation. They were a nation. That was around a 1,000 years before Christ. But because of the sins of the leaders, the sins of the people, they had inner fighting that when Solomon died, his boys tried to attack one another, and there came a split. The northern kingdom was called Israel. Ten tribes of Israel, ten tribes of Israel the northern kingdom. The southern kingdom was just two tribes around Jerusalem, and they were called Judah. Are you still with me? All right, so here we read that the last king of Judah, the last king uh, of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, came in and besieged Jerusalem. If you can imagine, they gathered 50,000 Israelites, 50,000 Jews, and marched them down the mountains, across the desert, over more mountains, 800 miles. It'd be, it'd be like, a, let's say we want to walk to Atlanta. Just think how long it would take to walk to Atlanta. You know, even if we walked on I-75. <laughs> it would take a few days, wouldn't it? Actually, take a few months. That's if you're in good shape. Uh, I might not make it to Ocala. But, <laughs> but they... They marched 50,000 Israelites, and the interesting thing, this was prophesied in the Bible. It was prophesied by the prophets. Jeremiah, passage that we love, and Jeremiah said, I, have, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to bless you. You remember that in Jeremiah 20? It was prophesied they would be there for 70 years. So Daniel Begin, and Daniel writes the book of, of Daniel. He writes it and he says, The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles from the house of God, 
which he carried in the land of Shinar, which is Mesopotamia, which is Babylon. And, uh, and so the Israelites are getting reestablished. This group of 50,000 are reestablished in Babylon. We read the book of Esther. She became the queen. Remember, and she kind of hid her nationality was when the Israelites were coming out. So it's really important that we understand how Daniel got on. And Daniel, well, well let's go further. Verse 3. The king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants, some of the nobles, young men, in whom there was no blemish, but, you know, good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. Daniel came from good, good home, but he was going to be picked out, good-looking guy, comes from a good family. In fact, as we read, some other guys that would join him would be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's where we get, these guys were going to get the best training. They were going to read, read the best literature. They were going to get in the king's palace. They were going to be well taken care of so the king can learn from them as they teach these young guys. Are you with me? See, the history is important, how all this stuff comes together. And Daniel, as we read, just if you look down to the last verse of chapter 1, the last verse says, Daniel continued into the first year of King Cyrus. That's 70 years later, several kings and wiped out Babylon and set up a new kingdom, and Daniel was there the whole time. So it's important to understand that Daniel... As a young man, maybe, you know, 15, 12, 15 years old, he would stay there the whole 70 years, and when Israel was allowed to go back, he decided to stay. He would stay in the Medes and Persia. He made that trip one time as a young man, but at 85 or so, he thought, you yeah, know, I think I'll just stay here. You guys walk back. You know, I mean, it makes sense. When we think about it, a lot of times we just read through here and we don't really stop and think what is happening. So it's important, to me it's important, to understand here's an opportunity that Nebuchadnezzar, he's kind of a, a benevolent dictator. I mean, if he loved you, he let you live. If he didn't like you, he'd kill you. So he gave these young boys an opportunity. I'm going to teach you the best and you're going to help me. So here's an opportunity and uh, they would take advantage of them. And the king appointed, verse 5, the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies, of the wine that he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of the time they might serve before the king. Now among those sons were, of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. So uh, here's these young guys. Man, the opportunity they have to be in the palace. I mean, in a bad, a bad situation, they're going to come out pretty good. You know, the bad situation, they're going to look good. They're going to they're get the best training. They have the best opportunity uh, to come out ahead. So it's encouraging to us as we read through here. No matter how bad our situation may be, God may bless you in the midst of that. We may come out ahead in the midst of that. So these guys are going to do pretty good. Verse 8, but Daniel 
purposed in his heart. And here's my whole message right here in verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine that he drank. Therefore he requested the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. You know, Daniel just decided, I want to be different. I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. I, I, want, I don't want to defile my life. I, want, I purposed in my heart to serve God. Wow. Now my message is this. How many of us purpose in our heart to live for the Lord? Daniel was saved as a young man in the Navy. I didn't have any, and I've shared my, my testimony here, didn't have any kind of religious background. But when I got saved, it just seemed like I wanted to purpose my heart. My, I, wanted, I wanted to do whatever God wanted me to do. And it's a lot easier when you're young and begin to do that uh, throughout the rest of your life. I mean, you know, guys like LeBron James, he, he, uh, he's, he's a good basketball player. This guy's built like a tank. He'd be good at anything. I mean, he can just run over you and dunk the ball. I mean, he's going to be a good basketball player. A guy like Michael Jordan wasn't built like that. You know, he's, he's about an average size, but he, can, he, could, he had to practice a lot. I'm sure both of those guys practice a lot, but uh, some of us have practiced more than the others. I mean, I don't see LeBron having to practice, but he does. I mean, now think about it. If we purpose in our heart we're going to do something, we're going to practice. I'm using sports, but it can be anything, your job. I mean, if you're in electronics, you know, you have to keep up with that. I was in electronics in the Navy. I didn't keep up with it. <laughs> it didn't take long for that to be over my head. <laughs> I, had to get, I had to get a job. So when I got out of the Navy, I, I became a pastor. I didn't know what else to do, you know. Uh, but you got, you got to stay, if you purpose in your heart, whatever it is you're going to do, you dedicate your life, Daniel purposed, he, he, he set up from the very beginning, before his education, he purposed in his heart, I'm going to do the best I can to honor God. And as we read through here, uh, verse 9, I'll just keep going down through here. God had brought Daniel into favor of the goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord the king. He has appointed your food and your drink. Why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men of your age? So, you know, there was a fear. I, you know, you, you want me to take away this food? You want me to take away this drink? You're going to look pretty bad. So Daniel came up with an idea, verse 11. Daniel said to the steward, the chief of the eunuchs, uh, he said, verse 12, please set your servants, test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Now, Daniel promoting here a vegetarian diet, not always, because later on he eats meat. But right now he says, you know, I don't like, you know, the Jews have different ways of eating. You, you know that, right? Things are kosher, not kosher. Daniel says, I don't want to eat what you're eating. I don't want to eat it how you prepare it. I, I, I don't want to defile my, I want to I purpose in my heart to do my days their features appear better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion, uh, and, and they went on. 
Verse 17, these young men, God gave them knowledge and skill and all wisdom and literature. And Daniel had his understanding and all visions and dreams. Verse 18, now at the end of the days when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them. And among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them. And he found them ten times better than all the magicians and the astrologers who were in his realm. Purpose in your heart to serve the Lord. Purpose in your heart. Dedicate your life. Lord, I want to serve you. You know, I, I, most of us are probably Christians. But how many of us have purpose in our heart to serve the Lord? You know, most Christians, at least in, in the United States, most Christians are just kind of, eh, you know, we go to church once in a while. We read the Bible once in a while. We pray kind of often on God with all that we have to purpose in our heart. This is what Daniel did. He purposed in his heart, and they became more wise Ten times more wise than all the wise men. So Daniel, beginning in chapter 2 and on, tremendous things happened. The king would call on Daniel, call on Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. He would call on these guys, can you help me? Can you understand this vision? Can you understand this dream? And all kinds of great miracles like the fiery furnace. They were able to come through that. And the fourth man in the fire, who was that? Was that Daniel? No, it was Jesus. It, was, it, was a, it looks like the Son of God. Tremendous things happen. In fact, if you think back when Jesus came into the world, we love the Christmas story. You know, the first part of the Christmas story, there's wise men from the east who have traveled, seen a star, and it led them, I'm making this short, but it led them to Bethlehem, to the baby Jesus. The wise men from the east. Who are those guys? Back in Daniel. Now, remember that about a thousand years before Christ, Israel was a nation with three kings. When they separated, you know, they, they both ended up kind of split and, you know, just kind of Syrians took over there. The southern kingdom, Babylon, took them in. Daniel comes on the scene around 585 B.C. And for 70 years, so close to 515, 500 years before Christ, Daniel would die. But his, his influence was so strong that 500 years after his life, wise men from the east remember what he said, remember what he wrote, and they would travel to a distant land Searching for the king of the Jews. Now, that impresses me. It impresses me that his influence would last much longer than his life. But it begins when he purposed in his heart to serve the Lord. How many of us will purpose in our heart to serve the Lord? I shared I just retired uh, a year ago. I'm 68 years old. I cannot believe I was able to retire as a pastor. You know, all, all the income I ever made 
was, you know, from God's people as a pastor, as a denomination worker. I mean, I lived on what people gave. I mean, when uh, we made it through our kids, raising our kids and our family, and Joyce and I just went on a cruise. I mean, I don't forget that all the blessings that I've ever had have been from God's people who entrusted in me, who gave me a salary, who gave me an opportunity. But I went back, in my mind, I go back to when I purposed in my heart to serve the Lord. I mean, uh, Joyce can, I didn't meet Joyce until about a year after I was out of the Navy. But uh, when we got married and we started, we, had, we didn't have anything. We, you know, we were broke. And uh, I can remember, you know, uh, McDonald's was a big deal and splitting up the, the kids, you know, the meals to, to share with the kids. You know, I mean, but you start then. You don't, you don't start, you know, oh, when I'm rich and famous, then I'll give. No, we, you know, we gave the whole time. We, we served the whole time. You purpose in your heart what you're going to do. Well, one day I'll do it. No, if you don't do it today, you, you won't do it then. Purpose in your heart to serve the Lord. It doesn't get easier. It does not get easier. Life is easier now that I'm retired. It's still not easy. Still have problems. Yeah, still have struggles. But they go back into your mind. You know, we've, we've been married, been in the ministry 42 years uh, plus. Yeah, it, it starts when you, when you purpose in your heart. And my challenge in just these few minutes, have you purposed in your heart? Have you, have you dedicated your heart and your mind, your life, and said, Lord, I'm going to serve you? You know, I, don't know where we, I don't know where that leads. I mean, I certainly didn't know it was going to lead to Miami, Florida. I was very comfortable in Illinois. You know, when we told people we were moving to Miami, they thought, you're crazy. Well, after living here, you know, we are crazy. But being in the center of God's will, see, that's, that's the important part. When you dedicate your life, you dedicate you to being in the center of his will, wherever he leads you, whatever he may call you to do. Trust him. These wise men from the east, they came with very elaborate gifts. They don't sound like much to us, but they're very rich, expensive gifts. And they gave them to Joseph and Mary. And those gifts would be so expensive, they'd be very valuable. It would carry them through the time they had to go to Egypt and they ended up in Nazareth. But those very wealthy gifts Help them through the years. My challenge to us, your heart to serve the Lord. You know, and if you don't, you might do a few good things. You might not do a few good things. But when you purpose your heart and you purpose your life, God will use you in great ways. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. We know we don't deserve your love. We know we have not earned your love. But thank you, God, as we sang earlier, thank you for loving us. Thank you for defending us. Thank you for being our all in all. May our lives give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you. We're